Welcome, dear listeners, to another enchanting installment of the Mystical Tales at Christmas. I am your hostess, Kristen Wombeck. Join us as we traverse the ethereal realm of the cloud of witnesses. I'll share personal testimony. Our path leads us to the legacy of Queen Victoria, whose past offenses created hindrances. Yet, from the cloud of witnesses, transformation occurs that touch a town, forever imprinting the essence of redemption on its streets. But our wondrous expedition does not end here. We also delve into the transformative power of generational healing, shedding light on its ability to transmute our lives and relationships, especially during this magical time of the year. I'll share the Lord's answer to a long generational curse, the divine story of Amelia. This timeline encounter holds the power to change lives. So let us settle in, embrace the cozy ambience, and allow ourselves to be transported by the mystical tales of Christmas. Remember, the best gift I can give you this Christmas season, expectation, the strong belief that a miracle will happen. I'll see you on the inside. Hello from the Pacific Northwest. This is Kristen from KristenWombach.com, and you're listening to Intentional Now Podcast. Answer me this. How does a Baptist farm girl from Oregon stumble upon the mystical nature of Christ, the love of God? If you're like me, Jesus has redefined what you used to say yes to. Join me and my guest on a mystical journey. But before we talk about the spiritual woo-woo, you need to know I am totally sold out to Jesus. It's amazing what the love of God reveals. Welcome, dear family, and happy Hanukkah. Oh, it's just a few days till Christmas. I just kicked some of my man folk out of the house to go Christmas shopping. Oh, yes. <laughs> There's a lot of history be- behind that little that little chuckle, right? <laughs> so let's lighten up our our load today. Just enjoy each other's company. Hey, are you enjoying our mystical tales at Christmas? I am. I am. I am. Hey, today's takeaways. A Season of Miracles, Amelia, Victoria, The Cloud of Witnesses, and Illuminate Presence. Oh, I love jumping off the cusp of time and sharing the unique way God utilizes our likeness in Him 
as we walk together on the timeline. We, yes we, are in for another treat today. So grab your headphones, it's Christmas time. This would be a good time for you to wrap your presents as we listen and learn together the manifold grace of our I am-ness, our oneness, our unity in Him. Amen? Limitations, they are only boundaries we place on our own mindset of relationship. Hmm. Now, I'm going to remind you here of the quote that started um, this mystical journey with in this particular season. The most important gift I can give you this Christmas season is expectation. The strong belief that a miracle will happen. (laughs) Our mystical and miraculous stories today, they highlight into the areas of healing, healing our communities and land, healing from generations. I may be the storyteller here, but we all have the opportunity to apply these principles to our own life and circumstances. Our first mystical episode, I mentioned persons that are part of my personal cloud of witnesses. When I say personal cloud of witnesses, I thought I should unpack that just a little bit. I have a few scriptures to share regarding the cloud of witnesses and a quote within them that they are referred to as illuminate presence. Let's hang on to that, okay? In Luke 9:27, the kingdom of God is not a future event beyond our reach. Let's back up and say that again. The kingdom of God is not a future event beyond our reach. You don't have to wait till you're dead to see it. And some of you standing here and some of you listening here are about to dramatically witness what I'm talking about. In Acts 1.9, and saying these things while they were gazing at him, he was taken up A cloud veiled him from their sight. In that particular message, what was recorded in Acts chapter 3, Peter clearly remembers his James and John Mount of Transfiguration encounter with Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, who also appeared. And then... After all those miraculous things happen in 2 Peter 1.16, he comes back to share, we are not con artists, fabricating fictions and fables to add weight to our account of his majestic appearance with our own eyes. We have witnessed the powerful display of the illuminate presence. Ah! I'm just caught up with that. I love that that reference. Illuminate presence. Hebrews 11.40. God saw the perfect picture in us, in you and me. And he's talking about before us, those that have walked the faith hall of fame. We now complete the history of their lives. 
everything that the shadows prefigured have now found its substance through Christ in us. And then, of course, we are very familiar with this particular scripture found in Hebrews 12, 1. So now the stage is set for us. All these faith heroes, imagine, they cheer us on. They are the cloud of witnesses, as it were, like a great multitude of spectators in an amphitheater. This is our moment. As with any athlete who is determined to win, it would be silly to carry any baggage of the old law system that would weigh one down. Make sure you do not get your feet clogged up in a sin consciousness. Become absolutely streamlined in faith and run the race of your spiritual life with total persuasion. Look away from the shadow of dispensation of the law and the prophets and fix your eyes on Jesus. He is our source, our sustenance, our conclusion of faith. And you know, he saw the joy of mankind's salvation when he braved the cross and he despised the shame of it. As the executive authority of God, he is the right hand of the throne of God. So when I refer to the cloud of witnesses, my personal cloud of witnesses, I see them more as tutors and teachers that bring their testimony into mine. They trade into my destiny and take part of my maturing and accomplishing the race that is set before me. So from Galatians, it talks about sons and heirs. It says, what I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he is the owner of everything, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the date set by his father. So we seal our sonship, God seals our sonship, as he commissions the spirit of sonship to resonate the Abba echo in our hearts. And now in our innermost being, we recognize him as our true and very dear father. The cloud of witnesses, they, they take part of the commission of sonship, which resonates father, Abba, father. And some members you see often, and there are others that just impart faith and hope for a season, for a learning, for a wisdom, for an understanding, even for an assignment. So I will also add that my testimony and your testimony is something that they ask for help with on behalf of their own lives and families. You know, revelation continues to be released. The roots... Uh, <laughs> The roots of my evangelical church relationship, they, they had absolutely no concept of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, of inner healing and deliverance. It just wasn't there. Therefore, the revelation of relationship of Jesus Christ in my life has grown 
And that growth brings freedom. <laughs> I have cleaned up uh, many messes in my own life. So our question should be, are we limited within our walk on the earth? I'll ask it a question. I'll ask it again. Are we limited within our walk on the earth? Well, Jesus wasn't, and therefore, neither are we. <laughs> My story mm -hmm, takes us back to December of 2017, and again, it's my first visit to England. I stayed with my dear friend in the village of Weston, which is on the outskirts of Bath. We toured the city. It was Christmas time and everything was decorated. And I'm in England and pinch me, please. <laughs> it was wonderful because Father God had all, obviously, he had prepared my spirit and given this, this sonship to a country. How do you explain it? I, I can't. So it's like you've been there before, right? And your spirit, you have. So on uh, this village of Weston, which is on the outskirts of Bath, we toured the city by foot. Yeah, we walked miles and miles every day. And my dear friend, who is very well-traveled and a translator by trade, is a historic well of information that is the perfect person to travel with, right? So she was shared with me this particular story that I grabbed from the Victorian Times credit, History is the Royal Crescent Bath, England. So I give them credit for the story. And she shared this with me. In 1830, Princess Victoria opened the Royal Victoria Park in Bath, England. It has 56 acres of parkland, contains trees and shrubs from around the world, and was designed by the city architect, Edward Davis. Victoria did not return to Bath as queen. During her visit, it is said that a resident of Bath commented on the thickness of her ankles. The observation was doodly reported to the princess, causing her to shun the city for the duration of her reign. So my friend added to the story as we are walking through it, and she's even that when Victoria traveled by train, she pulled down the curtains when they passed her through Bath. So here you are, here I am in this beautiful historic city, and they built a memorial park for their queen, whose nose got bent out of joint, and thus she never honored the people who were honoring her. Now think about this in the spirit. What kind of effect do you suppose that negative resentment had on the city and the land and its people? Before I came to England, 
I had met Queen Victoria in the cloud of witnesses. And I have shared with you my dog, Dash, <laughs> is a very important part of that relationship from the cloud of witnesses. So at the telling of this particular story, my heart was totally pricked. When my friend told me this story, I went, oh, my. And the Lord and Queen Victoria, they were asking me, if I would clean up the mess. Hmm. So we purposed the next day to walk in the Royal Victoria Park. If you ha uh, look at my, okay, if you look at my, my graphic for this particular episode, I took that picture on Royal Avenue in Victoria Park. <laughs> yes, I was there. It's just amazing. Right there, we began, we're walking through Victoria Park. We'd set aside a portion of our day to accomplish this assignment. So we began to hear accusations. This is, you call it like the courts of heaven, right? We began to hear accusations. We asked for forgiveness on behalf of the misunderstandings and the offense that had touched the land and its people for centuries. So it was definitely a live heavenly court case right there on the land. So when we finished listening to the accusations and we followed the protocol that the Lord had laid before us, we asked for a judgment because of his wonderful blood. We received a document of peace and of honor. And I asked Edward, he's the chief scribe, to record it, yep, you even have a relationship with the scribes and angels, right? And then we released it to the angels who had that particular assignment to minister, to minister the peace, the honor, the restoration. So we felt our hearts lift at the completion of our assignment, and we continued to walk the streets of Bath. We were enjoying the holiday delights. And yes, I've said before, sneaking in to a local charity shop. There are so many of them. <laughs> we were walking on this footpath that followed the river. And I saw the queen's swans. Yes, they are the queen's swans. And we passed by many bridges. So we arrived at a particular bridge. and. It was just special. It was highlighted to me in the spirit. And, and if I remember right, it was painted mm, shiny black. The bridge was different than the other bridges we passed because it had mm, extra architecture on it. I'd call it gingerbreading. That's an American saying for more architecture. And so my friend and I, we entered and we walked onto the bridge and I asked her, What's, what's the name of the bridge? Um, Victoria Bridge. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you can't think this stuff up. So here we are, we're standing in the center. People are coming and going. They haven't a clue. And we are just totally caught up in the spirit. Then all of a sudden, my spirit, I could see a regiment of men. And I started to Describe them to my friend. They had these kind of these big hats on and 
they were gathering at the end of the bridge. And I told my friend and she commented by my description of their attire. Well, that would suggest that they were the queen's personal guards. Hmm. So I turned and I looked and walking in a slight fog on the bridge was a figure in black. Well, my spirit recognized her as Queen Victoria. And history records that after her beloved Albert passed, she wore only black. She continued to walk towards us, and then the fog, it cleared. And like our beautiful words above that we've proclaimed, illuminate presence. His presence just changed the atmosphere. And I saw Victoria's clothes change from black to the white of a bride. And you could feel the peace and the joy in her soul. And she walked up to us and she thanked us for cleaning up the mess of her youth and for restoring the welcoming beauty of the city of Bath and her people. (laughs) Remember, the most important gift I can give you this Christmas season is expectation. The strong belief that a miracle will happen. (laughs) Amelia. The notes in my journal are very detailed. The notes in my heart, humbled by his goodness towards me and my family. A generational wound. My first memory was around the age of 12. I had the privilege to know my great-grandmother very well, and she was wise, a very wise woman with a calming spirit. And my mom and I, we were visit my grandmother's house, and my great-grandmother Kaufman was well into her early 90s. She lived with her daughter. So we were sitting in the living room chatting, about life and its complexities. And my grandmother was holding my hand and then she began to lovingly stroke the back of my hand. Well, each of my my family, the women present there, they began to discuss the length of my fingers and they, they were shaped like my father's fingers. And then I remember clear as a bell from the age of 12. Someone said, As my grandmother fondly stroked my hand, she said, Isn't it sad that these beautiful hands will become crippled and twisted? Each of them had arthritis in their hands. It wasn't until years later, in my reformative years, that the Lord reminded me of this occasion in the light of his word. Galatians 3.13, Christ, Christ redeemed us from the curse of consequence of a failure to keep the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, right? On his cross, he consecrated the total curse of human race upon himself. In his abandoning himself to death, he absorbed and dissolved the horror of the curse in his own person. 
The scripture declares that anyone hanging on a tree embodies the curse, clearly found in Deuteronomy 21-23. So this act of Christ, this gift that he gave to us, releases the blessing of Abraham upon the Gentiles. Now we are free to receive the blessing of his spirit. Our natural selves might be aghast that loving relatives could say such a thing over the innocent hands of a 12-year-old. Ignorance, dear friend. Pure ignorance. Allow this testament to search the ears of your heart for such ignorance in the light of the beautiful gospel. It was many years past that the Lord and I had cleaned up this negative proclamation over my life. I forgave the ignorance of another's tongue. I knew that my hands were set free. If we do not know Christ as our healer and redeemer outside of the realms of death and walking into heaven from death's door, how should we know to proclaim otherwise? The mystery continues after my mom's visit for hand therapy. She was in great pain. This is many years later. And I felt there was more. I felt like I wrestled with it in my night season. Well, I got up the next morning and I asked Papa, I go, what, where did this nasty curse of arthritis come in at? How did that happen? And why was it just focused on the women in my family line? So I did a little heavenly court case on myself, knowing it was generational on my maternal side. So following the Lord's lead, I heard the Lord tell me it was 42 generations ago. Jesus took me into uh, an ancient cathedral. It was dark and it was cold inside. And inside, it was full of caskets. I just assumed that the caskets filled the church back from that particular era was because of a plague. As my spirit looked around, then I saw this young girl, and she was about uh, nine or ten, and her name was Amelia. She was crying very hard. She was on her knees, and she was sitting at the base of one of the caskets. She was dressed, her clothes looked like, I'd say, peasant clothes. And she had on like this, this tartan plaid cloth over her head and a blanket on her lap. I just watched her. She was weeping so hard. When she lifted up her hands to wipe the tears on her face, I saw that she didn't have any hands. And I knew that they had been cut off. A family curse for thievery. 
my understanding of that particular era, it was probably the church that did that. Imagine, 42 generations ago, the church was the law. It kept, it was the law keeper of most of the communities. And the law, it was without grace. And it was a common practice Then, when a problem with a family continued to reoccur within the family, many times they placed a judgment on the entire family to eradicate sin. They only proceeded to eradicate the manifestation of the sin, not the sin itself. And this is where the beginning of arthritis and the crippling and the twisted hands maternally attached itself to my maternal line of my family. <laughs> Imagine with me this short window we have seen of Amelia's life. We're inside a church filled with caskets. She's about nine or ten. So we can assume that the family members that have taken care of her are represented in the casket before her. It hit the whole community. She is in the house of God, and yet to her nine or ten-year-old mind, God is the one who punished her by cutting off her hands. How was she to provide for herself? Standing there in the spirit, I could just feel the anger and the confusion towards God. The church who represented God had taken the blessing of the works of her hands away. Can you imagine how she felt? How angry she was? The same restoration protocol that I've learned in a lifestyle relationship with the Lamb of God. So I went before the Father and I asked for forgiveness and I broke the negative power off of all that the enemy had attached to my family because of this heinous trauma. I continued until the accusations were silenced. The entire time I was bilocated, here I am in my living room and I can see this and this church and this cathedral clear as a bell. You could smell it. You could, you could feel Amelia's anger. And I'm standing in a cathedral with her. Time is timeless. Well, the court case was concluded, and I asked Jesus, how would he like me to release his spirit of restoration? And the spirit shifted. Illuminate presence. As we are learning today, the cloud of himself walks into the room. And it shifted. Remember, the most important gift I can give you this Christmas season is expectation. 
the strong belief that a miracle will happen. I'm standing there in this illuminate presence, God himself as the cloud. And I'm looking at Amelia and I'm in the spirit. And I see her hands grow back. (laughs) To both of us were surprised. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Then at that moment of her elation and justification that God, he wasn't mad at her or punishing her for the sins of her family. In all this surprise, she looked up and she saw me in the room with her. And we were both even more shocked. She could see me. It was the first time that I'd been seen in the spirit. <laughs> I I think of it today and I I would assume that Amelia probably thought I was an angel. Then like this divine movie monitor, I've described him to you before, it dropped down before my eyes and I could see Amelia's entire future. Her hands having grown out, she ran to the village to proclaim her miracle and that the church had punished her wrongly and that God had proved her innocent. I saw her life flash before my eyes on this hologram of a divine heavenly screen. Her miracle was so famous and brought her community so much fame that in her later life, she married someone part of royalty. (laughs) I call that a true Cinderella story. You can't make up this stuff. Where does it come from except from time itself? With clear and strong and straight hands and fingers, I type the final words of today's episode. God, he is a God of miracles. And miracles are not bound by time. Our ability to restore families, communities, and nations, it's at hand. The most important gift I can give you this Christmas season is expectation. The strong belief that a miracle will happen. I look forward to speaking with you on Christmas Day. Whether you're pulling a turkey out of the oven, driving to see your family, taking a nap after eating too much, or sitting by yourself in the wee hours of the morning after Santa has parked his reindeer for another night. We are not alone. We are so greatly encompassed 
by a company caught in a cloud, the same cloud that Jesus ascended into before the eyes of a company and his disciples and family. He is still inviting us to come up here into and surrounded by Illuminate. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye now.